Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. Thank you for joining us again. This week we focus on our well-being with servant leadership trainer Tom Thibodeau, who shares the four pillars of being well in this week's podcast that he titles, Do Good, Be Well. So today we're talking about working for a common good inspired by our greater good. Dr. Richard Davison from the University of Wisconsin at Madison has the opportunity every year of speaking at the Davos Economic Summit in Switzerland. There he gets a chance to talk to economic leaders from around the world. People are concerned about the world economy and the world resources. And he told them this, a warm heart and a calm mind are skills that can be taught. A warm heart and a calm mind are skills that could be taught. And the top economists from the world said to him, how do we get this into the lives of our leaders? A calm mind and a warm heart are skills that can be taught. Well, these are skills that Davidson has been working on for the last 30 years at the Center for Healthy Minds at the University of Wisconsin and Madison. Around 1990, in the encounter with the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama asked him, why is it that you psychologists and neurologists are always studying unhealthy minds and unhealthy personalities? And he's challenged Davidson, why is it you not study healthy minds and healthy personalities? He said, I'll loan you six of my monks. And so they brought in these Tibetan monks who had spent years in, in meditation, years living in community, years in terms of serving other people, good men who have done good work, but they had a, an extraordinary sense of being. They were able to use uh, the available things to them in neuroscience at that time, 30 years ago, and you can imagine how that's changed even today. And they're able to measure the brain activity of people who meditate and the electrical activity in the brain of people who don't. And clearly, a calm mind and a warm heart are skills that can be taught, the things that we think about, what we focus on. All these connect to our well-being. A well-being is not a static concept. Well-being is a set of skills that are learned and cultivated over time. All of us can be good people who can become well. And our thoughts, our words, our actions, our behavior, our presence in the lives of other people. So here are the four pillars of well-being. This is what contributes to our well-being each and every day. One, awareness. Two, connections. Three, insight. And fourth, purpose. These are the four pillars that for 30 years they've been studying in terms of neuroscience, our thoughts and our emotions, and the effect that it has on our physical health, well-being, and the lives of those we serve. First, awareness. The ability to be fully present to others, to be connected to others. What are you doing right now as you're listening to this podcast? Are you sitting still? Are you focusing on the words? Do you notice the different levels of tone and intonation, the different um, ways in which we put emphasis on different stories? Are you aware of what you're feeling right now? What's the wind like? Is the weather changed? What are all the things that you are aware of right now as you're working? Harvard University about 10 years ago did a study and they asked people on their 
cell phones that they could contact them, and they would contact them intermittently, over 100,000 people, and ask them to respond to these questions. What are you doing? What are you thinking about? And then finally they'd ask them, and, and how are you feeling? What they found out in that study is that 47% of the time, people were doing one thing and thinking about another. 47% of the time, people were doing one thing and thinking about another. That meant 53% of the time, people feeling distracted. And here's the study. A wandering mind is an unhappy mind. A wandering mind is an unhappy mind. The greatest temptation that all of us have today in our daily lives is distraction, being pulled apart, thinking of one thing and doing another, pulled apart. Have you ever had one of those days when you come home and I thought, I never got anything done? Well, why is that? You never got anything done. The inability to focus. Daniel Goleman, again, one of the other writers on emotional intelligence and certainly a studied neuroscience, has told us this. We not only have a nation of attention deficit children, we have a nation of attention deficit adults. We need to develop and can cultivate an ability to focus. Focus comes from an acronym, F-O-C-U-S. Follow one course until successful. And what do you do? You have a sense of completion, a sense of satisfaction. You are in the present moment. The present moment is never intolerable. The present moment is never intolerable. What's painful is having your body here today and your mind at the end of the week. Our body here in my chair in the morning, thinking about what's going to be for supper, being pulled apart in different directions. But the understanding is that the present moment is never intolerable. When I went to college, my father gave me a quote that I wrote on a sheet of paper and carried it around to all four rooms I lived on a campus. I found the sheet about five years ago, yellow on the edges after 50 years, but there it was, it was clear as ever in my, in my own writing, and it said this, concentrate, concentrate. Pressure is the feeling you get when you don't concentrate. Concentrate, concentrate. Pressure is the feeling you get when you don't concentrate. Concentration comes from two Latin words, cum centris, which means to be fully present, to live with the center. You've seen this in sports when people say, well, I'm in the zone. Have you had those moments of experiences when you worked hard all day and you kind of wonder, where is the day gone? Time takes on a different feel, a different sensation, understanding when we are fully present. Whereas to be fully distracted means to be pulled apart and it kind of drags us out in, in different ways, oftentimes feeling with a sense of insecurity, instability, and dissatisfaction. The present moment can lessen our tendencies to want and desire things we don't have. What happens is that when I'm distracted thinking about what I might like, what I might deserve, it takes me away from what is it that surrounds me. In this time of pandemic, it's so easy to think about retreating to um, a past life and then all, all of a sudden hoping wishfully that there's a new normal, rather than for, for the common moment to think for, uh, for a moment about all those people in our lives that we are blessed with. The health that's been provided to us, the opportunity that still stands in front of us, the work that we've been given to do, to be fully present. My first job uh, was in British Columbia, in Prince George, British Columbia, Canada, 
I was a lay missionary where I got paid $25 a month to win board. And I was coaching and teaching at a residential high school for Native children and for children who came from Prince George. And on my team, I had uh, players from the First Nation, the Haida people, the Haida people on, off of the Prince Charlotte Islands, off of the coast of Kitimat and Prince Rupert. This is where the last rainforests in North America are, where the trees can rise up well over 100 feet, and the canopy darkens the forest within the ten, first 10 feet into the forest. So the young always ask the old, what do you do when you're lost in the forest? And the elders responded in this way. What do you do when you're lost in the forest? Stand still. A tree ahead in the bush beside you are not lost. The place you are is called here. Here. You must know it and be known by it. Listen, the forest speaks. It says, I have created everything around you, and should you return, you may always come calling here. Here. No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. But what if the tree and the branch does is lost on you? Then surely you are lost. Stand still. Let the forest find you. The place you are is called here. Here. Where's the most difficult place for us all to live? It's here. To be aware of and to experience the present moment rather than thinking of all the things that should have gotten done earlier this morning or all the things that yet to be done later this afternoon. The first foundation of well-being is to cultivate a keen sense of being aware. Second pillar is connection, nurturing the connections that we have with others plays a significant role in our well-being. Do you realize that if you have four good friends, you're 50% less likely having a serious heart attack? All it is is four good friends. You can't have 526 friends, no matter what Facebook tells you. Four good friends, and that lessens your opportunity of having a serious heart attack. Why? Your friends are concerned about your health and well-being. Why? Because your friends care about you. Why? Because we begin to recognize that our human connections make us healthy. Healthy relationships help create healthy people. Do you realize that if you have four good friends... It not only improves your health mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, but the quality of your life. Do you realize that if you report being lonely on a regular basis, and loneliness is an epidemic proportion right now, think of the number of people who are isolated and alone, who have no one to talk to each and every day. If you report being lonely on a regular basis, it has the same effect as smoking 20 cigarettes a day. The experience in terms of loneliness is just the opposite of being having healthy connections. Healthy connections build up for our immune system. No connections at all take away from our health and well-being. Loneliness is now considered um, a major threat to mental health throughout our country. How important it is to make a connection, to call a friend, contact a family member, just check in. You're not only contributing to their emotional health, but also to their physical and spiritual well-being. Connection gives us the ability to empathize with what other people are going through. It helps us to behave compassionately towards others and express gratitude for skills that can make us feel both good and needed. Connection. All of us need 
to be needed. Loneliness is the experience that I have nothing to offer, and my well-being is directly related to my ability to make contributions to healthy connections. There's ample evidence that shows us that engaging in acts of generosity is an effective strategy to increase well-being. What happens when we are generous, we are being generous to others, and you benefit them and yourself, but most importantly, our community. It is also a pro-social behavior that decreases the suffering of other people. Haven't we seen this now over the last seven months in our nation and in our world? The generous spirits of so many people who have contributed to health and well-being of others. In the state of Wisconsin, I believe it's well over a million pounds of cheese were produced by farmers for our food banks who fed people who never thought they'd have to stand in line for a box of food. Their good work, their hard work, their generous spirit fed others and their families, contributed to the health and well-being of our communities. We have a little boy on the cross by the name of Jonah Larson. He's called the Crochet Kid. He's written two books, and he's only 12. He's now a special correspondent on the Drew Barrymore Show, a delightful young boy who was interviewed last week on a podcast on Epa Terrible with Dr. Jeff Thompson. Jonah was born in Ethiopia to a mother who was so poor she couldn't care for him, so she wrapped him in a banana leaf and laid him carefully by a stream where others would have to come for their water. Another one mother came along and picked him up and brought him home, but she had five children and no way to feed this baby, so she brought him to an orphanage. A couple from across Wisconsin adopted this young man. He's grown up to be a fine young man, and one of the things that he discovered quite by accident was the ability to crochet. He just picked up a needle and was so excited to find something shiny in the bottom of a box left from his grandmother that he began to, to, to play with the thread and with the crochet needle, looked up on YouTube, made washcloth. Well, now he creates absolutely beautiful works of art that people pay large sums of money to have this young man design and create for them. What has he done with the money? He's created a foundation and has built a library and then this summer a science lab in the, for the children of the village in which he was born. Generous beyond belief. Why? He's so grateful for the life that's been given him and he wants to repay it to others. That healthy well-being is a challenge to all of us. How much more generous could I be with my kindness, with my patience, with my understanding. Doesn't everyone benefit? Third pillar is insight. Insight is a deep understanding of how our mind works, how our thoughts and feelings and beliefs and expectations shape our experience. How important it is for a leader, how important it is for members of a family or a community to have insight to be aware of not only how they're thinking and feeling and how their beliefs are shaped, but insight into the, the lives of other people. 
Isn't that what you do when you think about how you can influence or, if you would, motivate others to work for greater good? You must have insight as to what are the needs of other people and how those needs can be met. Insight that comes from reflection and from quiet. In this time, I think it's important to reflect on the word excellence. Excellence is an agrarian term. It comes from the farmers of ancient Rome, who at the end of a season would climb to a top of the hill and look back over a field. Excellence comes from the two Latin words, ex colus, to sit on a hilltop from the hillside and look back at the field and see what was planted, cultivated, grown, and harvested. That level of excellence gives us insight into work that was well done, what worked and what didn't work, what were the tragedies that were kind of avoided, what were the joys that now need to be celebrated. The power of insight to really begin to understand what is good not only for myself, but for our community. It's psychological and spiritual flexibility that comes with insight that allows us to change and to grow. It helps us to endure our well-being and increase resiliency. It helps us to respond to adversity. It helps us to navigate life's challenges in a constructive way. Insight guides us in serving a common good for a greater good. It's a sense of well-being that other people are infected and influenced by. And finally, the fourth pillar of well-being is purpose, knowing what is it that motivates, inspires, and drives us. What is the greater purpose that you have in your life? People with a deep sense of purpose live longer. People with a clear sense of purpose enjoy health into later years in their life because there's still more that needs to be done. I watched on television where a woman 104 years of age with her walker in New York City, and she went to vote, wanted to contribute to the common good, wanted to participate in democracy that has given her and her family life for over 100 years. Think about it. What gives your life meaning? Why do you work so hard? What is the purpose of your good work? What you are doing right now, does it make you happy? Does it make you feel fulfilled? Are you flourishing? And if that is true, then how do you make more time for it? How is it that you build a life that's filled with meaning? Rabbi Abraham Heschel was asked near the end of his life, Rabbi, do you have any words of wisdom for the next generation? He said, yes, teach them this. There is meaning beyond absurdity. Every word has power. Every deed counts. And remember to tell them to build their lives as if it were a work of art. How important that is. How important that is that we nurture our own health and well-being for the goodness and the promise of next generations. Awareness, connection, insight, purpose are the pillars of well-being and healthy living. Do good and be well. 
I was speaking at a wellness conference, and uh, they had me afterwards, and where the boys were, they have all the booths, and my booth on servant leadership was right between bone density and osteoporosis. And people came around, and they had to have a little card punched, and if they got so many punches, they could put it in a bowl, and they could win a trip. And so a young man comes over to get his punch, and he looks at servant leadership, what's that? And I said, well, if we have healthy persons, then we have the possibility of healthy leaders. If we have healthy leaders, we'll have healthy families, healthy businesses, and organizations. If we have healthy families, healthy businesses, and organizations, then we'll have healthy communities. And if we have healthy communities, we'll have a healthy state. And if we have a healthy state, we have the possibility of having a healthy nation. I said, yeah, they're going to have to go big or stay home. He says, I think I'll stay home. See, the greatest obstacle that all of us face in the health and well-being of ourselves and our communities is apathy. A warm heart and a calm mind are skills that can be taught, but skills need to be practiced each and every day. We have to make a conscious decision to embrace well-being as a way of life. One last story here for all those good people listening to us. It comes from a, a, a good young man whose father and grandfather, he grew up on a farm, on a dairy farm. And uh, he remembers that during college, he would go and um, help milk. He and his brother would help milk for farmers that would take a little break between Christmas and New Year's. And so they're over at a neighbor's and just completed the evening milking. And the grandpa, the farmer, is out there leaning on the milk tank. And he looked at him and said, you know, you boys, I'll never forget what your grandpa and your father did for us. A number of years ago, we had a terrible barn fire and lost all our hay. Now, that year was a difficult year getting hay. There was a drought, and the hay that you could buy mostly was overpriced, and it wasn't very good quality. And we're sitting on our porch in September, and uh, your dad and grandpa showed up with the finest load of third crop hay I've ever seen in my life. He said, I asked them what they wanted for it. They said, they wouldn't take a dime. He said, you know, I'll never forget that. Their kindness, their generosity, they were so aware of what we needed, and they gave it to us. I will never forget it. And the young man, his reflection was, each and every day, I ask myself, Am I giving away the, my crop a third cut hay, or am I keeping it for myself? Our health and well-being are gifts. We do good each and every day, but in order to do good, you need to continue to be well. Awareness. Insight. Resiliency. Generosity purpose, service, good work, hard work, noble work, our work. Thank you all for doing it so well. Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for today's message. Tom, a distinguished professor of servant leadership at Viterbo University. And for archived podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Until next time, 
Have a safe and productive week.